Schofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, 4 o'clock hour, ESPN Las Vegas. We welcome in ESPN Reno. Cofield and Company bringing it to you. Second hour, nice big first hour. We covered a lot of Golden Knights, talked a little NFL. Thanks again to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press, covering the peg sort of things, as Cofield would say. See if the Golden Knights can get back tomorrow, game two. They are down one nothing, of course. Um, but we have some other things to talk about. And it's a very important day because, as we do love to mention on Cofield and Company, every single day, of course, as Cofield would say, our vast research crew has uncovered that it is National Banana Day. It's also National Garlic Day got me thinking, how many uses do you have for a banana, but also have you ever cooked banana and garlic in the same dish? I have, but there's going to be an asterisk. I want to hear about this. So National Banana Day, National Garlic Day. How many uses can you think of for a banana? Yeah. Um, Not that many, but I'm not super creative. Uh, Like banana split. Okay. I don't know. Banana in a shake. Okay. Uh, straight up banana. Why can't you just eat banana by you know on its own? Yeah. Okay. Give me give me some recipes. Are you are you replacing like a substituting banana in for plantain? I was thinking plantain. So, so okay. that's where I was going for, okay. with the garlic when you make to- tostones, as they say, because plantains you're gonna the sweet banana. You're not really gonna add anything. You're just gonna that's where you have to find when they're brown. They've gone from green to brown the plantains, but if you get them green. And you and you and you you smash them. You do the old school way, like my grandmother used to do. You cut them, and then you take a mason jar and you smash them down, and you dab them in a little oil, and you put them with garlic salt, and you sizzle them up. You make tostones. So that's one. But for bananas, so you got the banana split, as you said, banana straight, banana in a shake. There's banana bread, right? Like banana bread. Uh, you use banana in a fruit salad. You can, you know, uh, banana bread. Yeah, that's that was an easy one. I'll tell you, banana what, muffins. I'll tell you one of my all-time banana favorite nut. things that I remember as a kid. I don't remember when I went, how I went, wh- who took me, whatever. I just remember one of my all-time favorite snacks was or ch- snacks concession type things was the chocolate covered frozen banana with nuts on it at Disneyland. I just remember that that's where I first had it. It's, it's bigger today that it's National Garlic Day, right? I you're you're so. a garlic guy. Oh, are you kidding me? Like who isn't? Yeah. I mean, if you're not, do not. Yeah, <laughs> garlic goes in everything. Can I tell you? I tried on. So on Sunday, Sunday is a fun day, at the uh, Casa de Cofield, right? So we uh, we opened the pool, right? Heated it up a little bit. It was nice out, and decided to get some some food in. So okay. we, got, we got a little liquored up, right? Oh, boy. So get some garlic noodles. And okay. I'm like, you know, I want more of these. And somewhere in the uh, altered state, I made some garlic noodles, and they weren't as good. And then I still had some leftovers, and the next day I tried them. And I remember the SO saying the day before, like, man, these are really hot. 
And I tried it the next day, and I'm like, man, these are hot. But they had, like, this front-end heat that went away. It was really good. And then I'm like, I have no idea what I put in these garlic noodles. Like, I was so out of it. Jeez. I don't think I can replicate it. They, I, they, they weren't, like, the restaurant quality. The restaurant we got it from was awesome, is awesome. But I have no idea how to replicate it. No clue. Justin Watkins is here with us. We're talking bananas and garlic. I was listening on the way in. Yeah. Sorry for my well, tardiness. That's all right. It's our fault. Yeah. Um, what do you like more, bananas or garlic? Oh, bananas. I'm, really? I, I'm a big banana fan. I like I, bananas and peanut butter. I, oh, there is another use. Bananas and peanut butter is On like toast, a, yeah. my yeah my my go to. Yeah. Whether that's with toast or actually, I like it with uh, rolled oats, almond milk. Some granola, okay. Bananas, okay. peanut butter. You mix that into this like kind of slop. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, that's really good. By the way, are you one of these people fueling this new thing, the overnight oats? This I don't do overnight oats. It's not new. Yeah, yeah, it's well, not new. It's but not new. you know what happens. Yeah. It starts yeah. to blow yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. My wife, my wife, trendy. My wife does overnight oats. Loves it. I, I mean, I'm not against it. I just don't do it. Um, I don't but, even really know what they are. What so, are they? So basically, you you come up with your own sort of recipe, but you get you could get mason jars or you could do them in bowls. I I do them in mason jars when I do them, mm-hmm. but you put you know you put your normal proportions for oats, but you can add stuff. Like when I do mine, I'll put oats, almond milk, chia seeds, chia seeds. protein powder, yep. honey. You shake it up so and then you work. put them in the fridge. And then you wake up in the morning. And that, you know what it's like? It's like eating tapioca, basically. The yeah. texture is, is like eating tapioca. That's why I don't like it. Yeah. I, I, the texture gets me. Can you bring it in? Sure. Yeah, bring, bring me some. Okay. I have John. I have Von Tobel. I, I don't think he's going to remember. Von Tobel was crowing on Monday that he was making some uh, carbonara. Oh. And I was like, yeah, bring a little on Friday. And he's like, will it hold till then? I'm like, it's me. It'll hold Friday. <laughs> yeah. Last I had soup last night. The, the SO, she bought it. She didn't eat it. And she was like, how old is that? Is that three or four days? Oh, maybe it's a week. I'm like, okay, here we go. Heat it up. It was good. Wait a minute. I didn't feel anything today. Come on. When's he making carbonara? He made it on Monday. Ooh. Friday. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. They're going to leave it out. The, the, it's going to be in the fridge. Right. The, it's, it's, well, the sauces, which were going to be really good. Well, the problem is he had the wrong noodles. So the, big thing, the, big, the big thing now is the bucatini because, you know, real yeah. thick. Yeah. So I don't think he had that, but whatever. Then he didn't make carbonara. Like we'll see. I'm, Let's give him a chance, okay? Like, High, no, no. Highfalutin chef. I, I'm no. I'm just saying you can't. Uh, hey, I made big ziti and then bring in shells. It just doesn't <laughs> that's, that's a good point. By the way, last thing, last couple things on food. I still have a lot of the elk that you gave me. Yeah, mod on. This is like Wait the burgers are. I know. You know what? I'll give you some. I'll give you some. It, it only took Cofield about five years to get some milk, by the way. It was. <laughs> it was well, a it was, long I, time. I could go to you and get it. <laughs> yeah, he, he actually he had to deliver it. To me, which is absurd. Okay, He's what? the one who took down the elk, got it all carved up, but the burgers? So good, right? Yeah, and I was, I was telling the, so the SO does not like red meat, and uh, I was cooking something where, whatever, you had to drain the fat. I'm like, there's no fat. There's no fat to drain. It, it is so lean, It's all, and the taste, it's just a little bit different. It's awesome. I solicit people yep. that I know that either, that, like, especially there's a, there's a guy that went to school at the same time my son did at Arborview, and his profession is where you hire him to take you out to hunt with you. So yeah, outfitter. You. Okay, that's what he yeah. does. But I have told people, I'll, like, hey, they say, oh, I got my tag. I'll say, I'll buy some. Like, immediately, if it's elk or venison, I'll buy some. But when you leave today, yeah. we're going to walk out to my car. I have, Steve can vouch, I have some our seasonings from our gym. Okay. And I want you to use those, some of the rubs okay. on the elk. All right, well, I'll, tra- I'll trade you. I'll bring some elk uh, next time, next week. Um, I'll bring some elk. Uh, I gotta put it in a cooler, you know. I gotta keep it. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I know. You know, exactly. I want to keep it frozen yeah. so you can yeah. you can use it over time. Right. But the best part about it is is 
it's it's guilt free red meat yep. eating. That's so awesome. I and know. I believe it actually tastes cleaner and better. Oh, yeah. uh, and and so do my kids. Like yeah. when their friends come over, I'll cook them up something, and then afterwards I'll be like, "Hey guys, have you ever had elk?" And they're like. You don't know? They're like, yeah. no, yeah. what's an elk? And I'll show them a picture. And they're like, no, I've never had that. I'm it's like, yes, you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people don't realize when you say clean, first of all, you taste the cleanliness. Second of all, the digest, the digestion within the yep. 24 hour, the digestive tract is where you really tell because you don't feel that red meat feeling the next day. That's right. I found, which Cofield and I have talked to us about this, I found a cattle company up in North Dakota, which I now will only buy my red. I just te- messaged the guy, the owner, Mike. Uh, today, this morning, and I said, "Hey, I'm off red meat until my birthday. I'm on a different type of meal plan for 20 whatever more day, 24 more days." I said, "But have that package ready yep. the week of my birthday to arrive, and then I I buy like three four hundred dollars worth of meat, and it and it gets shipped in for about six weeks. And my pa- it's pa- but the but the beef, yeah. it's as clean as you are <laughs> going to find." Yeah, you know, if you have a, con- a connection, and, and I had one through my dad in, in Utah, his, his buddy's a rancher, and we would split a yes, cow, cow. Yep. or a pig, and the pig in particular, the the bacon and the shoulder you get off of a pig that's like a legitimate farm pig, it makes you change the way you think about bacon. Like, I, 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 like that what I've been eating my whole life is not really bacon, man. This stuff is bacon. And you talk about that clean taste and that clean feel without those nitrates in that yes. bacon. Yes. Totally different experience, and it makes it hard to go back to eating the other way. It really does. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, Willie Cofield, Justin Watkins is in, our legal insider, voice of reason, uh, Hunter, very responsible, very responsible. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of that beef feeling, what do you think? Mark Stone and Jack Eichel last night? Do they have that after eating beef feeling? What do you, you what do you, you think of what went on last night from an energy standpoint and the very very seldom spurts of real aggressive play from the whole team? I got to say my after day after beef feeling is about the fans and the crowd. Ooh. Complete garbage yeah, yesterday. Really? Yeah. Garbage. What? Number 1, number 1, there had to have been I'm going to say 1000 empty seats. Where there, where, where there was still the the towel was still on the seat, so nobody ever sat in that seat the whole game. Oh, wow. uh, at, at, hundreds for sure, maybe a thousand, hundreds for sure. That's number one. Number two, what a way to give away any home ice advantage to be completely quiet unless something positive happens, right? And two. We've got the number one seed in the Western Conference, the Pacific Division champions that just had the best statistical point season in the history, and I get it. Our power play sucks, and I hate our power play. It sucks. But they scored 111 points this season, number one seed, and we're going to boo them on game one of the playoffs in our own barn? Like, that's going to make them be better? It's not going to make them be better. So what do we got to do? We need to be lifting them up, not beating them down, and trying to make the home ice advantage where we're bringing so much noise that it's difficult on Winnipeg. And we did absolutely none of that. We did everything wrong that a crowd can do last night. We did. We were quiet until we finally scored a goal. And we didn't show up. We didn't sell out. And then we boo our own players. We booed the refs. Okay, the, for sure that first call was weak, but okay. But that's not going to make the refs bring it, bring the calls to our side. I was just super disappointed in the crowd last night. 
Yeah, they and they were sloppy. The, the the one power play where they just couldn't seem to hold on to the puck. Petrangelo let it fly past the blue line a couple of times. But when it was all said and done, and I want to say the power play after Carlson, the penalty, I thought that was a turning point for the yep. Winnipeg Jets. Was right. that when They killed that penalty because it was easily a point where the Golden Knights could have taken advantage. But the, the crowd downright booed and hissed. It was so loud. I, I was I was shocked at the exact same thing. Now, it was throughout the night there were boos yeah. um, and, 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 and reflective off of specific Golden Knight plays because it was kind of funny because I'm sitting here on Twitter with the thread right now. We're talking uh, with – there's two, three people in this thread uh, with our guy Magnum across the way on the Golden Knights Network with the VGK Insider Show. But uh, he quoted a tweet of someone saying that they heard Nate uh, boos for Nate Schmidt. And I went back and talked to him last night about it, and he kind of laughed it off and said it was understandable. Point is, mm. you could tell the differences between the boos for the Jets and the boos for the Golden Knights, and it was shocking to me. Yeah, I actually, I, in, in our in my section, I was there last night. Uh, I won't miss a home playoff game. Uh, I actually heard like sort of cheers for Nate at the um, beginning. Yeah, and then and then he got and then he sort of got crushed by a. A d- two checks at the same time, and it was kind of a, I'll say, good natured jeering yeah. towards him. But I didn't hear any like sort of hatred. the The real hatred I heard was two power plays. The one at the end, at the end end, yeah. where where it's on Theo's stick and he's not shooting, and the whole crowd's like shoot. <laughs> that's where that's where it got loud. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin walked into the studio right now. You can call Justin or Matt at 766-1400 from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 775 in the north, and, of course, 702 down here. Well, that was one of the exhilarating moments of the game last night before it became clear maybe the Knights just don't have it tonight in terms of inspiration. Brossois was brilliant on that play. Um, I don't think people were cheering for this part of it because while it was inspirational, it was also horrifying because that's when Morgan Barron – like, it looked like he just fell on Bersois' skate and, like, ripped it off his face. Yes, yes. Right? It, he was, like, holding on, but I think he was, like, ah! Like, he wanted to get it off. Right. But he got sliced to the point where he got 75 freaking stitches, the uh, the uh, member of the Jets. That was a crazy play. He ended up play. being above the eye. Lucky. Yeah. yeah. Lucky. Yeah, being in-house, we just didn't have a good view of all that. Like, it just looked like a from, – from my perspective, it looked like Bersois got out of position and then – there was like a dog pile, and I just remember seeing him literally jump on top right, of the right, pile right. over the top, and that's all we could see. Like from our perspective, and you know where my seats are. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, other than I see, you know, have the you seen official. the official? No, I haven't. Oh, so when he dove, he kind of dove, and his legs followed, so it bent upwards, and as Steve said, Morgan's face sort of fell on it, and it rested. And I think what his mindset was. Oh my God! There's a blade on my face. Yep. Don't move. The problem was Bourseois was moving, so oh. it was going like this. Justin, here's the face, and here's the blade. Just it was doing. Slicing. It was almost like it was cutting into meat. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are the uh, what are the coach? What did Bonus say afterwards? He looked like the victim of a shark attack. Yeah. He said, he, but there was no doubt that he was coming back. But he did say when he came back in the between periods, he talked to he immediately talked to the trainers. He said, "Oh, he's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. <laughs> no big deal." And, and and he said, "Do well, do you want to skate around?" He goes, "No, no, no. I'm ready." I'm good oh. to go. I'm good to go. Let's go. God bless him. I got kicked in the face in a situation like that where a heel came up playing third base in baseball. Not a high-level baseball player. Just giving you the story. But the Klee came up and booted me over my left eye. And I probably had like eight stitches. I think I was out for three years. Well, he's lucky. I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't out for three years. But the point is, you know, I got kicked in the face. That That is a billion times worse, though, when you're on the edge of a skate. Right. Uh-oh. And where it, where it happened, I mean, thank goodness that the way that it happened because – 
first thing I thought of obviously was Alec Martinez. Yep. And if it was lower, we don't still know to this day. Like he gave me a one on one before the season, and we talked a lot about it. But but there were still, he had said the mental health and the trauma and the nerve endings that were just that were so intense at times that yeah. caused migraines back to your central nervous system. Just different things. That was what I thought. So thank goodness. Tough to say that, right? Yeah. Thank goodness you, you you got cut where you did and got 75 stitches up there. That it wasn't anywhere closer to where Alec got sliced because then we're, we're, he's in this situation again. Alec would have went right over and had to, you know, just kind of console him, I would or, imagine. Or just a little bit lower and just completely lose an eye. I mean, if that it's going too. back and forth like that, right. can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. that's a, What a nightmare. I'm glad I haven't seen that. Just you describing it makes me, you know, a little squeeze. Justin Watkins, Willie Ramirez, Cofield, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Um, I thought Brassois had some moments. That was one of them. I thought the first two goals were kind of tough. It got to 2-1. The backhand goal, listen to this one by Wheeler. I wanted to get your read on uh, Brassois' job on this. Battle for the puck high on the right side for the Jets. Domestikov now. Schmidt lets it go. Stop. Rebound comes in front. No room to shoot it first. Now they score! Blake Wheeler got the backhander through, and the Jets take a 3-1 lead. Vegas is asleep. Okay, we can sit here and and break things down, soft goal or not. I don't know that they would have won anyway, but that that kind of quickly put it back to 3-1 from 2-1. What do you think of the goal? I I, I didn't think Brussois had a good game. Um, I mean, I think they're in the first period – well, first and second period, there were three different situations in which there he completely lost where the puck was, and it was just dancing on the on the goal line, and three of those could have been goals. I mean, this could have, this could have been a 7-1 game. That's, that's how – dominant I feel like uh, Winnipeg mm. was or or how asleep if we're going to use Gary Lawless's words there asleep Vegas was um, which hey it's the playoffs it can happen you know what I'm not even worried about it like Thursday okay let's go I was I was at the playoff game in Ball Arena in Denver game one of the series when they won game one seven to nothing and all Vegas could do was fight they literally they they didn't try to score goals anymore. They just tried to fight everybody, and it was pathetic. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I after that I was like, "There's no way they can win a, a single game in this series," right. and they won it in six. Right. Right. So I'll try not to overreact too much to it. Bad games happen. This was a historically bad game for VGK. The 17 shots on goal and like maybe two dangerous chances out of those 17. Just really historically bad game um and so yeah it wasn't a good game for Brassois but it but who was it a good game for exactly and it was it wasn't a good game for Brassois because it wasn't a good game for the people that played in front of him the first two goals it wasn't a matter of him giving them up it was it was the transition from how the puck got in Winnipeg's hands it, that, that in my opinion was the you know it, the tournament and as Mark Stone alluded to with those first couple of goals self-inflicted wound so you turn the puck over you put your goalie in a position you sort of leave him out to dry he did make some like you said some miscalculated steps in terms of where you're kind of going uh he's out of position is he looking in the right direction the puck's over here guy but also you know they they have to they need the, the passes were not sharp there was no crispness to this team. They couldn't break out of the zone. Winnipeg did a fantastic job of clogging the neutral zone. They're dump and chase or try to just break out. You weren't doing any of it. They they had Vegas on lock. Here's the thing. 
What we've seen Vegas do all season long is find ways to win with whomever is scoring. Mm -hmm. What we've seen this team do is break out of their zone and play fast, just like we just heard from Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Winnipeg came down here and played like the Golden Knights, and the Golden Knights played like Winnipeg's been playing most of the season. The good thing, Vegas Golden Knights fans, is they can't get any worse. They got to play better. That was not the team that has been put been put on the ice all season. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I have to say the third period was very difficult to oh. watch with the with the dump and no chase right. to where like Helen Buck just grabs the puck, flings it over, and they're right out of the zone. I mean, there was no chance on the dump and chase, but. You know, I mean, like I said, I, those things happen. We played our worst game of the season. We yep. probably played our worst game of the season. And you know what? Let's move on and, and let's go to go to Thursday. Justin Watkins in studio with us here on the Finley Toyota Studios. Willie Cofield, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, a couple legal angles to hit. So Fox News and Dominion work out an agreement over $750 million. Uh, we found some audio from an attorney who says – that uh, she's a civil rights attorney, Lisa Bloom. She had been involved in suits against Fox News in the past. Listen to what she said about this. Fox News is all talk. They're big name anchors like Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or Maria Bartiromo can dish it out, but they can't take it. There is no way they were going to take the stand and be cross-examined with all of the evidence that Dominion had that they were lying and that they knew that they were lying when they said that the 2020 election was rigged. So that that's the challenge of this thing that they knew they were lying and that it was malicious. Uh, let's finish up with Bloom here saying, you know, these are the decisions the jury was going to have to look over. Why did they settle for almost $800 million, an astonishing number? Number one, according to corporate filings, they have about $4 billion in cash. So it's really not that much money to them. They're a giant media corporation. They are hugely profitable. Number two, they knew that they were going to lose because astonishingly, the judge already said that they had lied. All they had to decide was whether they intentionally lied, whether they knew that they were lying, or whether they recklessly disregarded the truth or not. The jury was going to find that that happened. The jury was going to hit them hard with a punitive damages number that could have been well in excess of this. Now, that's scary to hear as a media person. That middle part there about deciding, you know, what what the lying was and what the intent was. Yeah. Well, I mean... I, I've worked with Lisa actually in the past, and I think she does a great job on on this media side of things of of the law. And I think she has a way of, of conveying this to the people that to the general public in a way that they can understand. She's right, right? The judge had already determined that 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 there were false statements. Now the question was, were they intentionally false statements in which we get to check the box, they say, for punitive damages, which means this has nothing to do with how much you damage Dominion. It has to do with how valuable of a company you are and what the jury thinks is an adequate punishment financially for you to deter that conduct in the future. And now they know who the jury is, right? The, the jury was impaneled. They knew what the jury looked like, and they were getting ready for opening statements. So if I'm sure both sides had jury consultants, and they're talking to their consultants saying, um, we've got some people on here who hate Fox News and are more than happy to send a message through this case to Fox News. On top of all the things that Lisa said, we actually have to put all of these hosts on the stand now under oath. So I think most legal minds thought, 
this is going to settle. That they're going to push this, but they cannot get to the point of, you know, there's a saying, every lawyer is a big talker and every party is, you know, real strong until they say, counsel, your first witness. And then the game changes. All posturing's gone, and we got to put people up on the stand, and it just changes the dynamics. So I don't think too many people were surprised that it settled. I don't even think Dominion cared about the number. They cared that they got a settlement done with Fox News in a big number that had no confidentiality with it. That's the big point, is they didn't get to walk away and say, the parties have resolved this amicably, we're moving forward, confidential terms. Nope, $760 million. Right, they got to say the number, so it's all but an admission by Fox that the suit was legitimate and that that Dominion was right. Coming up, let's get into uh, what we saw from Draymond Green. A lot of strong opinions coming in about the suspension. Some people like it, some people do not like it, saying the NBA has gone really soft. This part of the program is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Alert. Seven six six fourteen hundred is a number. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Offices in Reno, Henderson, and Las Vegas. Seven seven five in the north. Sabonis should have locked on, just dug in the heels, and put a chokehold on him. By Draymond's thinking, hey, man, I couldn't get up. Couldn't breathe. I had to, I had to knock him out. I, I had to put him to sleep. I mean, it's just, this is so absurd. I, I want to get to this in, in a couple of minutes, okay? So that was Nick Wright on the way back, FS1. But before we hit Draymond and kind of the legality of what the NBA did late last night by suspending him, and then all that action with the, as Nick Wright said, violent action. I got to hit on this story with Shaq and FTX. Can you explain what the deal is here? And then just trying to serve Shaq, which apparently became this monstrous effort chasing him around the country. Yeah, so there's a class action lawsuit going against all the endorsers of FTX. And some, and it's, and it's complicated. I'll say there's two tiers of endorsers. There's the endorsers who got paid via equity in FTX. This is the Tom Brady and Giselle Stratus. And then there's the endorsers like Shaq, allegedly, which is, hey, I was just paid to endorse it, and so I endorsed it. I, I don't own any of it. I don't have anything to do You're with it. spokesperson. Yep, I'm just a spokesperson, paid, paid to do it. So, obviously, FTX is – there's no money there for these investors to get anything back or not any significant money because it is a pyramid scheme. Uh, and so, in order to try to make these investors whole, they've gone after – the people who endorsed it and had equity in it and endorsed it and didn't. We could we could talk about the viability of those claims. Um, it, I think each one depends upon exactly how they endorsed it. Um, but uh, in any case, they've served all of these celebrity endorsers except for Shaq. They have not been able to serve Shaq. They allege that he's been fleeing from it. They've been running from it, and and he's got all of his protectors, won't accept service. And so they asked the judge, can we just serve him through electronic means? I mean, he's he's a public figure. We can send the email. We know he's going to receive it. The judge said, nope, you got to do it the right way. So <clears throat> I still not 100% convinced they did it the you know quote-unquote right way because they, they announced, hey, we're pleased to announce that we have served Shaq at his home. And it's been caught on camera, so they know that we, he's received it, blah, blah, blah. What I hear in that statement is, we're at the gate, there's a camera pointing at us, and we threw it over and said, you've been served! Right. And the question is whether or not Shaq will, Shaq's attorneys will fight that and whether or not the judge will uphold it. Um, depends on like what kind of evidence they have that he has refused to accept this. They said they've gone to the studios. 
They've refused. They said they've gone to his two different homes. They've refused. So, uh, you know, there's some real complications. In the state of Nevada, if I go to your place of employment and I leave it with somebody of suitable age, we're good. You know, they're going to say I'd never got served, but I can fall back on the rules and say, hey, I asked for you. You wouldn't come up here. The receptionist is 18. Bam. Give that to Shaq. I'm out of here and I'm going to use it. So, um, you know, we're dealing with a federal suit. It's a class action suit. So it's going to be a little difficult. 364-1100, Let's give away tickets for the uh, Battle for Vegas softball game. Great Iron versus Ice, July 22nd, LV Ballpark. You can grab the tickets right now, Ticketmaster.com. It's Ticketmaster.com for the Battle for Vegas softball game. Riley Smith heads up this whole thing. Caller 7364-1100. All the benefits uh, will go to, or uh, it will benefit, the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation with uh, funds distributed to Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Southern Nevada. We come back and we'll uh, close out with uh, Draymond Green and I guess the legality, not really in the courts, but the legality of what they did, punishing him for a pattern of behavior. So Draymond Green suspended by the NBA for Game 3 tomorrow night. Golden State taking on Sacramento in San Francisco. And Joe Dumars said um, excessive behavior. You know, pattern of behavior is why part of the reason that we suspended you. Eh, this isn't going to a court of law. But, right. you know, what do you think about this? Bring I in priors. I, I, I'm a little bit sympathetic to what Draymond's saying, which is, hey, man, you're grabbing onto my leg. You should expect that I'm going to try to kick my leg free. Now, the thing about that is, is him striking him in the chest did not look like he was trying to kick his leg free. It looked like he was trying to stomp on his chest. So, but... I think if it was not Draymond, would a, a regular player have been given the benefit of the doubt? And yes. I just think yes. yes. I think the yeah. answer is yes. But he yes. explained yeah. it. Yeah. He said it. Yes. He said it. Here's what it came down to. Excessive and over-the-top actions, conduct detrimental, and a repeat offender. But here's my here's my thing. They've reused that repeat offender line with J Draymond the last several times. And so if he's only getting suspended because of repeat behavior, and now they say, well, look at man, he's been suspended eight times. If I'm, you know, his advocate, I say, yeah, seven of those times is because you keep saying he's a repeat offender. In reality, if we took each of these in isolation and you didn't tack on the repeat offender, he wouldn't have gotten suspended in seven of those prior eight. So what you've done is you keep piling on this repeat offender and aggravating the underlying conduct to now the point is you've multiplied it. It's not really a linear extrapolation. You've, you've really sort of taken some exponential growth with, again, each individual situation probably would not have been suspendable for for others. Now, do I actually believe that? I don't know. But I think they're opening themselves up to an argument. And on top of it, now they back themselves into a corner, right? So now one of the stars who gets suspended again or, 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 or gets, you know, commits a foul or egregious conduct again, they review it. Do they let him off? Or, hey, you've got the precedent. Repeat offender. This is number three. What are you going to do about it? You've got to suspend. I don't know. It gets tough when you when you start doing that. You've got to have some objective criteria that says, 
after this many offenses, you are a repeat offender, and this is what we do. We escalate. I would have liked them to see uh, like to see them say this. One, I don't think he was suspended any other time this year. Yep. So I think he had a fresh slate, and I would I would have thrown in there. You punched a teammate in the face and knocked him out. Yep. We did nothing. Did you learn your lesson? It doesn't look like it. Oh, so, so yeah, I that's think, part of it too. I think those are two completely different things. Not at though. all. This, you're on the you're on the thinnest of leashes. You're on triple probation. Yeah. We didn't do anything. You got fined by the organization. When he, are you going to learn? He Take was, a seat, brother. He was not the agitator. What? He was not the agitator oh, here. Sabonis grabs his leg no, twice. No, 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 twice. Yeah. What would you no. What would you have done in rec league basketball if you're trying to run down the court? And that uh, somebody holds onto your leg. You're telling me you're not trying to kick it free? I'm trying to kick it free. I don't know if I'm going out of my way to stomp on the person. I don't know that you're not. Well, I know but, you a little but, bit. But I, could, I know you a little but, bit. But I could also, if the league told me, you punched someone in the face and knocked him out. Okay, but you, did, we, we, we told you. Now, they should have made this public at the time. Right. They effed up around the time of the knockout punch by not giving some kind of ruling. Oh, we'll just leave it in GSW's hands. Why? Right. right. But, but oh, it was during a practice. It's a, it doesn't count. The, it's, not, it's not league action. Yeah, sure it is. It's under the it's under the whole umbrella. Stop. But, but the foundation of what you started your statement with, do we know that they ever did that? Did they ever tell Draymond, you're on the thinnest of ice? If they did, okay, then I can agree with you. He's been warned, and he needs to be on better behavior than everybody else because of his past conduct. But if they didn't say anything like that, like I just think in this isolated situation, I don't think anybody else in the league – is is suspendable. If Rasheed Wallace was still in the league, he gets suspended, right? Like Rasheed got it everything. He got it. He got it for looking at somebody. Dennis Rodman. You know, Dennis Rodman maybe gets it. And what? You know what? Dennis Rodman did this exact same thing, and didn't. Even, it wasn't even a foul. I I remember in the finals with the Bulls, he's kicking somebody off of him that's holding onto his leg. Come on, like you know. I don't even like Draymond Green, but I can't even believe I'm over here defending him. All I know is that everybody better come to appreciate that Allen Iverson, at least he took the extra step to go over Tyron Lue. <laughs> there you go. Uh, story out. This is another one that I think is interesting when it comes to following rules and, and setting standards. The NBA put in some rules for uh, possible draftees in 2024. Um, basically, it's a requirement to show up to the combine and participate in medicals. And my first thought was, Wait a second. How can the league say that this is the standard? Was this collectively bargained? And two, the guys who are coming into the league, they're not part of the union. Right, but they got to live with what the union decisions are if they want to become part of the union, right? So it's like the there's guys in the league right now that are living under the rules of the collective bargaining agreement that they had no part of. I mean, just like any union worker out there who just joins a union, you're stuck with what the union had negotiated, whether or not you were part of it before or not. So, yes, I think it's legal. Yes, I think it's they have the power to do it. Um, and you know what? If I was the NBA, I think I would probably want to do it as well because there is some potential competitive imbalance going on with games that the agents are playing for the teams that they don't want their players going to. But I also think under this new system, there's going to be some gamesmanship too because the medical records of the lottery picks are only available. If you're the projected number one, your medical records are only available for one through 10. If you're two through six, it's available one through 15. If it's six through 10, it's available one through 20. But wait a minute. Like, what about the teams that want to trade up? Like, and who determines this? Well, they said, 
we are going to have a panel of experts to determine where these players are likely slotted. Okay, are those panel of experts, are they impressionable? Can they be manipulated? Where are they getting their information? Are they now interviewing GMs about what they think that they're going to do? And can those GMs manipulate that group in order to get you know, a player pulled back from that number one slot into a place where they can get the medical records. Now, what happens if I trade up? How quickly do I get access to those medical records? Now I'm picking a player that everybody else in the top 10 knew was garbage because of medical record disclosures, and I didn't? You know, I, I think there's a host of problems in this new system that they created. Uh, speaking of medicals, uh, Giannis out for the Bucks tonight. Bruised back. That just came down like six minutes ago. That game goes at... Six o'clock. I didn't see Victor Webanyama mentioned in the story, but I have a feeling this might be part of this mix about medicals because he is carefully protected. And it does say in one paragraph about the new standards about draftees participating in the combine, especially with the medicals. It says uh, players who are physically unable to participate because of playing with a FIBA club still in season, family tragedy, birth of a child, injury. Uh, will be required to complete components at a later date. So I this don't is, like that either. This is one of the big stories in this yeah. draft, and I have no idea what kind of access they have to the seven foot five kids' medicals. Yep. But if I'm taking that guy number one, Ooh. I got I got to get a plea, a complete rundown of his medicals because he's a fascinating prospect at that size. I know, but here's the part I don't like about that aspect: is hey, I've got a torn ACL. And I'm going to recover from it, and I will be. I'm projected to be ready for training camp and to start the season, but I will not be cleared for you know contact or running or phys any physical activity at the time of the combine. And so now I have to wait a whole year before I can be drafted again, even though I could play. The later date, what does that mean? Could that be later after I'm drafted? Does that mean later before the draft? I don't know. I mean, I th I think they they've gone so molecular with these rules that I think they've created a whole new set of problems that they're going to have to create, you know, other rules to clarify those rules, and it's going to get really detailed and 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 arduous. Last two minutes, Willie, you want to present this one? Uh, Brad Beal, alleged assault lawsuit. Some fan was going at him. About yeah. losing bets, and I guess Beal allegedly slapped him in the head? Yeah, it's, uh, that's just, I mean, that's the crux of it. Uh, they, the the fan is suing the team and Bradley Beal over a post-game incident back in March. Um, battery and assault, asking for damages exceeding $50,000. Kyler Briffa filed the suit Tuesday in Florida's Ninth Circuit cert. Uh, the suit alleges... The Wizards lost to the Magic at the Amway Center. Beal was headed to the locker room when he reacted to a remark made by a friend of Briffa's about losing a bet. He turned around and hit Briffa on the side of his head, knocking his hat off. According to the police report on the incident, Briffa's friend remarked to Beal, you made me lose $1,300 UF. Yeah, I mean, I... I think he's in trouble here. I mean, in his post-game comments, they asked him about it, and he said, hey, when people get personal and they talk about your family, eh, that's not what happened. Because then he acknowledged later, you know, hey, man, I bet too. I gamble too. He's acknowledging that the comment was about betting. Yeah. There's nothing personal about betting. Like, you lost me $1,300? That's what's, that's personally offensive to you, and I get to hit you because of that? Nah, he's in trouble on this. He. 
there 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 will be a criminal complaint here. This will be probably misdemeanor assault. Um, he is going to have to address that. He will not go to jail for that. He will get some sort of probation, but he is going to get hit with a. He's already been hit with a civil suit, uh, and the person's going to get money. One hundred percent. Here, here's the thing. It's just yeah. kind of ironic that the, the way this conversation has flowed. Bradley Bill walked up to court, smacked somebody in the head. Yep. He's going to get a misdemeanor. He's going to pay fifty grand. Yep. Draymond Dr- Green stomped on somebody's sternum. No, uh, somebody grabbed Draymond Green. So then Sabonis should be suspended too. I agree, hundred percent, right there. I'm not going to fight that. He's the yeah. agitator yeah, of the situation. That. He created the brawl. Yes. Draymond Green has a right to defend himself. I was hoping that was a comeback. Did he excessively defend himself? I think the answer is yes. So they're both at fault. These are our favorite cases. Yeah. Right? That's right. You're exactly right. We always say, like, what's what's the next step in the escalation? You can reasonably escalate, right? You can can respond with the same and equal force that you were being threatened with, and a reasonable escalation was Draymond's unreasonable in escalation? I think probably yes. Before we get out of here, uh, Justin Watkins is with us. Uh, tell the people in Reno what you have cooking and what you're rolling out. Yeah. I mean, we we have had the office up there for a year now. You know, I've lived up in Reno and Carson City area when I served in the legislature. You know, we have uh, one of my partners is from the area, from Dayton, Nevada, which uh, Southern Nevadans don't know too well, but it's right outside of Carson City. And so he's back home and living in the area, and uh, we're open for business, man. We're taking cases up there, and and Tyler, our attorney up there, is fantastic. 766-1400 is the number. Offices in Henderson and Reno and here in Las Vegas, 775 in the north. What are you doing for the summer? Big you, vacations plan? What are you uh, doing? I'm going we to just the, talked about all the hard work you're doing, but uh, I know you like to take a couple of breaks. Yeah, I'm going to the Grand Caymans at the end of May uh, for some scuba diving, and I'm going to get my, my, my girls scuba. scuba certified. I know I, you're scuba certified. Yeah. We're, we're on the opposite end. Yeah. We're afraid to snorkel. The SO, <laughs> the SO she's like, oh, well, we'll, we'll go on a tour because we're going to go to Jamaica, and we'll snorkel. And I'm looking at her like, you're not going to snorkel, but yeah. we're going to do this. And you're not going to like it inside of three minutes, but oh. you, know, you got to let people try. My ten-year-old, my twelve-year-old are going to be certified. They're going to get fully certified and go uh, in in the water. My wife's going to do it. My nephew, my brother, my sister-in-law, wow. the whole the whole crew, all in the Grand Cayman. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Buffet, that's right. Buffet, drink, smoke if we can. That that's that's the vacation. The snorkel stuff. All right, Justin, we appreciate it. We'll see you <laughs> coming up. Let's get into a little more NBA. C.J. Watson, former NBA player, is going to join us. If you want to listen to the show, lvsportsnetwork.com, up online.